All right, so when we left off last week, still in the introduction here to Reb Shimon Shkaps Shari Yosher, so we had gotten to the second of the important points that he was raising, uh, which had to do with the idea of the fact that, or, or beginning to uh, to frame the question, let's say, or, or in yeah, frame the question that on the one hand, so we are supposed to be selfless. We're supposed to be resemble Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and everything that we do is supposed to be uh, for the sake of others and for the benefit of of Klai Yisrael, for the benefit of people in Klai Yisrael. And then at the same time, that has to be balanced with the fact that Hakadosh Baruch Hu created us in a very selfish manner, where we're primarily focused only only on ourselves. And not only is that the way Hakadosh Baruch Hu created us as far as personality is concerned, but we actually have a a uh, a halachic mandate, which is uh, taught to us by Rabbi Kiva of Chayecha Kodmin. Then when it comes to your needs versus somebody else's needs, so the mitzvah is, the obligation is to go ahead and prioritize ourselves ahead of others. So that, that raised the question that if we're supposed to go ahead and we're supposed to prioritize ourselves ahead of others, so then what, what happened to the fact that we're supposed to be selfless? If I come first, then that doesn't sound very selfless. If I'm supposed to be selfless, then I'm at the end of the line in terms of prioritizing needs. And how exactly are we going to do that? So one thing which, uh, which we saw, we saw the beginning of this paragraph, where Rib Shimon had talked about how wealth is something which is a very strange dynamic. Because if I take credit for my wealth, if I think that it's my money and it's my doing, so that leads to gaiva, that leads to a person uh, thinking that they've accomplished, that they've done something for themselves, that this is all their money, rather than being a custodian for somebody else's money. And yet, on the other hand, if I if I see everything as HaKadosh Baruch Hu's, so then where is my place in all of it? Where, where am I going to be able to k- take credit for all of the wealth which I accumulated if I assume that ultimately everything really belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So that was one issue which Reb Shimon had, uh, had presented. And now we'll go ahead and um, we're going to go ahead and um, so now we're going to see uh, the second thing which Reb Shimon goes ahead and highlights, and we're picking it up over here where that little highlighted section is. It's not going to stay very long. It's not even a highlight, but we're going to pick it up from uh, from over there where he talks about a second element of this, and it's a very interesting element, I think, uh, in terms of the perception of how uh, how we see things and how we see ourselves. So he says as follows, and again, since uh, uh, his wording is something which is uh, which is very... Uh, uh, very succinct, and in many ways very poetic, so uh, I'm going to read this uh, inside. And he says, He says, We could also sense this idea of the need for a balance in terms of what I have and who takes credit for it with regards to the acquisition of the greatest wealth, the ultimate wealth which is there, Shahu Kinyan HaChachma which is the acquisition of wisdom. So he's now seeing the acquisition of wisdom is also being something which one accumulates similar to wealth. Just wealth happens to be in the area of possessions, assets, and the other acquisition which could potentially be there is the uh, the acquisition of wisdom. 
to those who go ahead and can sense it and appreciate it. In other words, because if a person does not strive according to his ability uh, with regards to the acquisition of Torah knowledge, that together with his Torah knowledge, his knowledge of Chumash, his knowledge of Mishnah, his knowledge of Shas, his knowledge of Halacha, if a person does it in conjunction with the acquisition of all of that knowledge, also seek to acquire Yira Sashem, that's the Yira that he mentions over here, and Emuna, which we talked about in Shabbos, belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a pure belief, as then there's a potential to trip, to make an error, and and my love for myself can then express itself specifically in the context of my acquisition of Torah knowledge. Meaning, not meaning, but he says, just like Shemida Zugo Remes, and here's the amazing thing, which is such an interesting thing, which he says, just like this trait, Avas Atzmo, my love of myself, or my desire, or my inclination to try and take credit for all of my accomplishments and my achievements, we find that this particular uh, um, uh, perspective, Goremes Lara, is the cause of evil, can be a cause of evil. Alkola Oskim Bachachmas Chitzonius for people who seek the acquisition of other disciplines. Somebody who's going to be a mathematician, somebody who's going to be a scientist, somebody who's going to be a lawyer, somebody, whatever their profession, an accountant, whatever their profession happens to be. Shalumas, because really what should happen when a person studies, uh, when a person uh, acquires wisdom? A person becomes a biologist, a person becomes a, a, a chemist, a person uh, appreciates um zoology even, whatever it happens to be, a person who studies the physical world, who studies the sciences, sciences so what, sh- what would be the ideal net result of the acquisition of all of that wisdom? That what should really happen is, is that you increase your perspective. Because it allows you to have greater insight into what exactly it is that Baruch Hu created. And when you appreciate the creation of the world itself, of the universe itself, even if you're focusing on one dimension of that creation of the universe, but as you acquire additional uh, knowledge of that and you understand it more deeply, really what it should lead to is that knowledge should lead you to appreciate HaKadosh Baruch Hu even more. Uka'amar, like the Pasuk says, we say this on, uh, on Shabbos and Pesukah Zimra, Hashamayim mesaprim kavod keel, that the heavens themselves, they are mesaprim, they relate, they recount, they tell over the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the more you see in nature, the more you appreciate nature and science and how all of that works, that should lead you to a greater appreciation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a creator of the world, the complexity of the world and how it runs so efficiently and so well in terms of all of the different uh, aspects of, uh, of things. Hine, in some people, when they go ahead and they study the sciences and they acquire knowledge, Rather than that, that allow, uh, rather than allowing that knowledge 
to penetrate their thinking process and penetrate their soul so that they should feel closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hine heimnoflim v'yorden lamata. So what happens to some people instead is when they try and take full credit for that themselves, the acquisition of all of that knowledge is something which is their own achievement and their own doing. So rather than being drawn closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and developing a deeper appreciation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they fall, and they end up tripping on themselves. Because, now here's the, 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 uh, the psychology of it. Because if they were to entertain, or they were to actually believe that all of their knowledge that they acquired and that they have inside of their brain is not really their own, same way your money isn't really your own, your house isn't really your own, your car isn't really your own, your knowledge also is not really your own. So then what happens? So their wealth, in the sense of how they identify themselves in terms of their knowledge, and the knowledge which they have inside of them, if they give that up and they hand that over to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so then there's no longer a self. They've lost themselves. Because their whole pride and their whole existence was sort of built upon the amount of knowledge which they have. If your entire existence is the fact that you're really good at trivial pursuit, and then you have to go ahead and you have to say, my memory for trivial pursuit is really God's doing, and it's not my own doing. So suddenly your identification of self is now lost, and now what are you? And you're left without an identity, and if you have no identity, this aspect of loving yourself, it, it there's nothing to love anymore because I've just given everything up. Now I'm in big trouble. And now he says, it's such a fascinating perspective. He says, So somebody who has this inclination, the only way they're going to be able to feel wealthy, meaning the only way they're going to feel accomplished and they're going to find a sense of self is only if they deny God. They have to deny God's role in the acquisition of their knowledge, because if they don't deny God and they have to acknowledge that everything comes from God, I'm left without self. And they're sort of like painted into this corner that the only way I'm going to be, I'm going to feel good about myself, the only way I'm going to be able to feed my ego is if I think that I am responsible for my accomplishments and my achievements and my acquisitions, even acquisition of knowledge. And that forces me to deny God's role in that. And that's an element of kfira. That's an element of denying God's existence. Because, because they feel this urge to say that everything which I have, above and beyond what other people have, it has to be my doing. It has to be my accomplishment. Like the present, if the economy is going good, so then it's obviously, it's, it's my doing, it's my policies which make the economy go good. And if the economy is going bad, that's my predecessor's problem. He's the one who set in motion all of these things, and it's his problem for going ahead and, do, and doing that. So we all, whether, the Reb Shimon is saying, whether it's in the area of wealth, in terms of my, uh, my bottom line in my bank account, or whether it's wealth in terms of knowledge, it creates a similar conundrum in that my tendency to love myself, want to take credit for that, that means that God is not a factor. And if I give credit to God, that means I am nowhere, that I haven't played any role, and then I don't have an identity. The Oz, and it's only when I could go ahead and I could t- 
remove God from the equation and I could take credit for my wealth or my knowledge for myself, Oz, only then, then I could take pride. I could be haughty in terms of my acquisition because now I can take full credit for myself. Once I've removed God from the equation, now I can take all of the credit for myself. But that's a, that's a terrible position to be in, that in order to be able to find expression of my sense of self, I have to take God out of the equation, as if I and God cannot coexist in the same universe at the same time. And now he says, also, I think a, a, a fascinating perspective, he says, now, understanding this, we can understand um, we can understand what we say in Shmon Esrei, Shabbos morning. This is a line from Shmon Esrei, Shabbos morning in Shachris. We say, Yismach Moshe, B'matnas Chalko, Karasolo. So Moshe Rabbeinu rejoices, B'matnas Chalko, the, the gift, which is his portion, because he is called, in Eved Neman, he's called a reliable or trustworthy servant. Hainu, in other words, what this means is, now, Moshe Rabbeinu was clearly a very wise individual. He was endowed with, undoubt, with undoubtedly a tremendous intellect, a tremendous memory, a tremendous understanding of things. So there's no doubt that he possessed all of that. But he did not take pride in his Chachma. The fact that he was very wise and he was the first person to study Torah and to master Torah, that's not what Moshe Rabbeinu took pride in. Rak im hu evan What Moshe Rabbeinu's pride, what he wrote, uh, you know, what he would, uh, you know, the, uh, what he would, um, the, uh, um, the legacy, which he left behind for his children and grandchildren and for Klal Yisrael, was not his wisdom, it was the fact that he was a faithful servant to God. Shechoshev, what does it mean to be a faithful servant to God? It means to understand your role and your responsibility. Shechoshev, that Moshe Rabbeinu's perspective was, Shehakol Shalom. That's why he was so humble. He didn't take any personal credit for any of accomplishments and any of his achievements whatsoever. He didn't see himself as being great because he took Klai Yisrael and Mitzrayim. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't go ahead and uh, you know, have a bumper sticker that I am the National Merit Scholar or whatever it is for having, uh, for having received the Torah and all of that. I got a 1600 on my Torah SAT. That's not what Moshe Rabbeinu went ahead and was uh, took pride in because he realized shakol that all of those things, all of those accomplishments and all those achievements are not something which he could take credit for these were all gifts which were endowed to him by his master, by the creator. And then, when he had that perspective, understanding that it came from God, so then he could have he could fully appreciate the wisdom which he had because he doesn't have to preclude God, he doesn't have to remove God from the equation. He was able to incorporate God into the equation and say, whatever wisdom I have, this is God's doing. This is not my doing. This is not something which I could take credit for because God gave me the kalim. God gave me the ability to be able to accomplish all of those things. And my job was just to use my potential to its fullest. That's it. Belulezos. And without this, without this perspective, 
he says, Otherwise, you can't really rejoice in the true sense of simcha with the acquisition of, of wisdom, because the other way to do so, which is to say, ah, it's all my doing, and it, nobody else could take credit for what I've accomplished, because because by adopting such a perspective, God forbid, that could lead a person to denial of God's existence, God's uh, role in your life, his contribution to your ability to accomplish all of those things. And this is something which is, a, which is, a, which is essential. And he says, now, now let's swing back around to this contradiction we have. And he says, Vihine, even though at first glance, superficially, when you first begin to think about it, so it seemed to be that there's a, 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 an inconsistency, there's a contradiction. Because on the one hand, there's avas atzmo, the love I have for myself, which is ingrained in our personalities. That's the way God created us, number one. Number two, as we mentioned in the, in the, in the quick review today, that Rabbi Kiva says, Chayecha me that halachically, I'm supposed to prioritize myself ahead of everybody else. So on the one hand, you have avas atzmo, my love of self. Virigshe avas zulaso. And we have, in contrast to that, the mitzvah of v'avtolerecha kamocha. You're supposed to love somebody like yourself, meaning I'm supposed to put that ahead of myself and my focus is supposed to be on their needs and how I can contribute to the other person's life rather than on myself. So which is it? Do I love myself or I love others? Seemingly, those two are incompatible and I'm not going to be able to reconcile, I'm not going to be able to balance between these two things. And that's why he says, borrowing language from Yavamas, he says, hen kitsaros zulazu. They're like co-wives who are in tension with one another, who don't get along with one another, like Ketzara, so they're, 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 they're like incompatible. But he says, so that's what it would seem. Aval, aleinu, it's upon us, but he says, our responsibility is, and that's the purpose of this essay he's writing over here, it's our responsibility to delve deeper. That's lahamik, is amok, is to be deep is to go deeper, think deeper about these things. Limso haskula, which will translate as to find a common denominator or a link between them. Hamacheres osam, which is going to unify these two things. Macheres like echad, is going to bring these two seemingly two different ends of the spectrum. Love of self and uh, love of others. Selfless versus selfish. And to bring them together, acharei, and the reason why we have to delve deeper and we have to think about this more deeply is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects us to excel at both of these, both being selfless as well as being selfish. Chayecha kodmin on the one end, prioritize yourself on the one end, but at the same time, that your primary focus, Kedoshim you means that your focus is on the well-being of others ahead of yourself. So all of these contradictions should have your mind sort of swirling around, how am I going to be able to reconcile this? How are we going to be able to uh, resolve what would seem to be this contradiction, not only within Torah, but within ourselves? Should I be focused on others? Should I be focused on myself? How am I going to balance these two almost contradictory perspectives? Okay, 
So now he says, school azum. Now this next paragraph where he's begin, he begins the answer. And he says, school azuhi. So how are we going to reconcile this? What's going to be the link which is going to bring these two ideas, selfless and selfish, together? He says, the key to this is, and here's a line which is like worth memorizing. He says, It should become clear, that's the Yisbar, borrower. It should become clear, and it should become true, to each person, Ani is going to, we're going to translate as self. So every person has to become clear, and you have to be true as far as what is, Echus usually means quality. But here what he really means is, you have to understand what is your working definition of self, of me. So what does that mean? Kibaze, because if you if you develop a proper definition of self, yimoded malas kol adam lefi madregaso, so this is how we're going to measure, this is going to be the barometer of how elevated or how lowly, how coarse a person's soul may be. How broadly or how narrowly they're going to define ani or they're going to define self. And now he works up the ladder. He's working from the bottom, working his way up. So he says, ha'ish hagas v'ashafel, like the shafel. So he says, a person who's coarse and a person who's lowly so a person who's low on the totem pole, their definition of ani, their definition of self, their ego is very limited. Tsumtsum is like tsumtsum in the creation. is very limited. All that person sees as he defines self, as he defines the word ani, is my body. My body in my existence, that is the total extent of Ani. So this is the ultimate narcissist. The ultimate narcissist only cares about themselves, their interests, what's good for them, to the exclusion of everybody else, like a little baby. Like a little baby is uh, something the babies only uh, you know, only cares about themselves in their needs and their wants. And what happens to everybody else and the fallout of all of that is irrelevant. It doesn't even register by them. It's not even something that they consider. It's not it's not on the radar screen. So that is a person who has a very immature sense of self, where all they see is literally themselves. Now he says, but Lamala Mimenu. Now, as we go up the totem pole, higher than that, the next level up is The next level up is a person who recognizes that Ani isn't simply my physical body. Ani is my physical body and my godly soul, which are combined into one, which are unified into one. So now I've taken, I'm able to see outside of my physical body, my physical needs, and I recognize that I also have an element of God. I have a chelik eloka mimal. I have a piece of God which is which exists inside of me. And I have these two different parts. For those who enjoy parts works. So I have these two different parts. I have my body. I have my soul. And I'm a combination of those two. And I may even recognize that at times, those two different parts of me are intention, in tension. Two different words, not intention. But in Tension, T-E-N-S-I-O-N, they're in tension with one another because the body wants one thing and the soul wants something else. 
The soul wants you to get up and wants you to learn and wants you to daven. It wants you to pursue all those spiritual things. And the body wants nothing more than to sleep another couple of hours and just keep snoozing the uh, the alarm, you know, time after time. So when you wake up in the morning, you have that perfect tension between should I get up? Should I sleep longer? Should I get up? Should I sleep longer? So that is a higher level of ani than a person who just sees their physical body. That was level number two. Now he says, Ulamala mizeh, now the next level up, level three, is Mishamachnitz Lehaani Shalo Bene Besa Umishpachto. The higher level is a person who can now incorporate other people into their definition of self. Meaning, when you recognize that I'm part of a family and I identify with my family, so once I identify with my family as part of myself, I see myself in terms of the expression of my siblings, of my parents, of my children, or whoever my immediate family is, and I'm identifying with them. And just like I want the best interest for me personally, I want the best for my children, I want the best for my siblings, I want the best for my parents, I want the best for my spouse. So that is a higher level of Ani, because it's now broadened to a further degree. It's sort of like what what, what Shimon over here is creating the imagery which I think would be helpful to appreciate what Rib Shimon is saying over, Rib Shimon Shkup is saying over here, is like the layers of an onion, that they just wrap, one wraps right around the, the other. So at the core, you have the person who only sees their body. The layer around that is a person who sees himself as body and soul. The layer around that, which is more encompassing, is somebody who could incorporate members of his family is part of his core definition of self. And now he says the next level is, and so far, up at these three levels, so you don't even have to be Jewish for any of this. This has nothing to do with being Jewish whatsoever, these first three levels. These are just basic human personality. You can be completely body. You can be body, but you see yourself as having a higher purpose, some sort of soul, however you're going to define that. And then you can have a person who defines themselves in terms of their family. Then he says, uh, Now let's say you have a person, This is, we'll, do, we'll put this at level number four, a person who's going to walk in the ways of Torah, that person's definition of self, that person is going to incorporate all of Klal Yisrael into their definition of Ani. So that's why we know that there are many mitzvahs, many obligations which we have, which are directed specifically towards Jews, and it does that obligation doesn't extend to non-Jews. And it's not because we're being racist, per se. If I put my priority ahead of, uh, you know, anybody else, it doesn't mean that I'm racist. It doesn't mean that I'm opposed to them. It's just that they're not me, right? When there's a parking spot available, uh, you know, closer to the uh, to the store or further away from the store, the fact that I want that close parking spot for myself, it doesn't mean I have anything against you, per se. I just value my time in my walking ahead of yours. It's nothing personal, but you're not me and I am me. So I'm going to prioritize myself. So sometimes we have mitzvahs ben Adam lechaveru, which seems sort of racist because we're prioritizing Jews out of non-Jews, but it's nothing to do with race. It has to do with who's included in my definition of self. In the mitzvah of love others like you love yourself, that mitzvah, Reb Shimon says, is the mitzvah to self-identify with the rest of Klai Yisrael. That they are part of your definition of self, and therefore, you want the, the best for every member of Klai Yisrael 
because that is what's best for you. Because you identify with them in such a strong, powerful, meaningful way that you are going to pursue their best interest as well. And therefore, that's going to be your motivation to want to do chesed and to want to help other people. It's not because there's you and there's them. It's because that's all part of my definition of self. I don't see it. There is a difference. But I, I, I don't see them as being so fundamentally different or outside of myself that we're in conflict with one another. Doing for you is doing for me. Because I see you as part of myself. Now he says, because the truth is, again, there's a very elevated perspective, but it's something which is you have to, we have to know what we're striving for. So he says, because the truth is, ko ish Yisrael, hu rak migufa uma Yisraelis. Every individual in Kla Yisrael is nothing more than a limba in the larger body of Kla Yisrael. So if we imagine Klal Yisrael as a single body, so there's going to be fingers, there's going to be toes, there's a hair, there's a nose, there's ears, there's all different cells which exist all over there. There's, there's hundreds of thousands, millions and billions of cells which exist inside of a person, and each one can be taken out and isolated by itself, but ultimately it is part of this larger group, this larger body called the human body. So in the same way, every individual cell is a cell, every person is a cell in that larger body, which we call cell, and everybody's contributing. And although you could isolate and examine under a microscope this individual cell versus that individual cell, but generally when you look at it, you're looking at the body as an integrated unit, as a, single, as a single unit comprised of all those parts. And that is one of the things, that is the, uh, the, the uh, 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 underpinning of the mitzvah of Recha Kamocha is to be able to, uh, uh, is to be able to adopt and appreciate that perspective. Now, but we're not done in terms of the elevation of, 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 of self. Now he goes on and he says, yesh He says, there's also a person who is sort of like whole and complete in terms of their perspective, and that is, Roy, and this is an amazing perspective, Roy, lahashish binafsho, it's appropriate for a person to incorporate into their soul, lahargish, to feel, shekolaulamos kulam hu ha'anishalo, the entire universe is part of my definition of self. So not only Kla Yisrael, but non-Jews, and the animal kingdom, and the plant kingdom, and the inanimate parts of the world, and the entire universe, all of that, I could also identify, I don't know what exactly what that means, but you could also identify and see all of that is part of self. And me, to myself, is you see yourself as just a small limb or a small cell in this even larger body, which we call creation, which encompasses the entire universe. So you see that the entire universe is something which is also going to be significant, and it's a way by which a person can ultimately uh, uh, define his sense of ani, his sense of self. Mango just pawn in big game of life. We go ahead and we cope that. So we go ahead and we have that we have that uh, that perspective. So that's the ultimate perspective to be able to see. And it's similar to the uh, the Mishnah, which in Sanhedrin, which says that every person has to say, I think it's a Mishnah in Sanhedrin, that every person has an obligation to say, Bishvili Nivra Olam. 
the entire universe was created for my sake. So that's a perspective that I could see the entire universe and I could help that 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 gives me the broadest definition of ani that one could possibly have. Because there's nothing which is separate, there's not, nothing which is disparate, there's nothing which exists that I'm not connected to. And that is the ultimate definition of ani. And it's not selfish, as he's going to explain, because the, the goal, the way we reconcile this selfishness versus the selflessness, which we're supposed to have, is it's just a matter of taking more and more things which superficially are outside of myself and incorporating them into my definition of self. And just like I want what's good for me, I want what's good for you because I identify, I see the, the, the profound connection which exists between me and you. And therefore, I want what's good for you because that's the same thing as wanting what's good for me because we're in the same center of the, uh, 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 of the onion. And then he says, once you have such a perspective, somebody has such a perspective, the Oz, Gam Yishregesh Avas Atzmo Ozer Lo, Levas Kol Am Yisrael, Miskol Abriya Kula. And when you adopt this perspective, so then you're able to harness the love of self, the selfishness, the narcissistic part of our, our existence, and you're able to use that as a way of expanding your love. Just like the narcissist is completely consumed with self, all he cares about is himself and only wants what's good for himself. So if you could use that as at the same time, while you incorporate other people into your core definition of self, then you're using your selfishness in order to be selfless, in order to be able to give to others. And that's how you're going to go ahead and link these two, these two ends of the spectrum. The way that they're going to get linked together is because when you, when you use them simultaneously and you broaden your definition of self so that your selfishness includes others because you identify with them, that's the ultimate. And he says, Uladaiti, he says, in my opinion, says Rabbi Shimon, Marumas Inyan Zeb Shel Hillel So this idea of incorporating yourself and others into the core existence of who you are, this is incorporated by the famous line of Hillel. Everybody knows the line from Pirkei Avos, which is, Im nili mili, if I am not for myself, so who am I? Right? So if I, if I don't have any definition of self, I don't have any way by which I identify myself, so then what, I, what am I? But at the same time, on the other extreme, we say, Ukishani la'atzmi, but if I become so narcissistic that all I see is myself and I don't include anybody else in my definition of self, so ma'ani. So then what do I have if I've now isolated, if you take a cell from the body and you take it out of the body, now what's going to happen to the cell? It can't live. It can't exist outside of the body. It's going, it, it'll, it'll, whatever's going to, it'll atrophy. It'll, uh, it'll just die on its own because it's not connected to the rest of the body where all the nutrients and all the life force is coming from. In other words, explains Reb Shimon, Hainu, Sharoi Lachol Adam, these Amates, every person should make an effort, Ligdog Tamid Baratzma. So, so uh, uh, Hillel is saying the first part of Hillel's statement is, Im Nili Mili, meaning if I'm not for myself, I can't expect other people to take care of me. I have to go ahead and make an effort to take care of myself to the degree that I can with the resources which are available, but I ultimately irresponsible for myself. And I can't expect other people to come along and do that for me. So that is the first part. 
So I have to always be concerned about myself. Aval imze, but although that's true, that I have to be concerned about myself, but nonetheless, it's ametz lahavin. A person has to make an effort to understand she'ani la'atzmi ma'ani. That if I completely, if I only am focused on myself, and my definition of self doesn't go anything beyond my body, and it doesn't incorporate anybody else, so then ma'ani, so then what am I going to have? In other words, he says also, shem yitzantzem es ha'anishalo, that in the event that a person limits his definition of ani, he has a very, def, a very, a very narrow definition of ani. Bechug tsar, which is very narrow, kefi maris ayin, based on the stinginess uh, that he has. So az ani ze mahu. So somebody has such a small, narrow definition of ani, so what good are they? What, what are they going to be able to contribute? They, they have nothing. Hevel hu, The person is vain, and the person is worthless. So a person who only sees himself, that's all they see. So as much as they have and as much as they, uh, they, they, they've accumulated over the course of their lifetime, ultimately, at the end of the day, they are nothing. There's nothing about them. There's nothing memorable about them. There's nothing that they're going to contribute. There's nothing about them at all. However, aval but on the other hand, if a person seeks to broaden his definition of self, meaning hargasha so mu'umetas, in order to develop his emotions in a true manner, from a true perspective, that the totality of creation is part of this big picture of my existence, of the definition of who I am. And you could see yourself as just a small limb in the, in, in the bigger body, which is Kla Yisrael. Oz, Ram Venisa Gam Erkahu. So then, suddenly you're much more elevated and you're much more important. It's such an interesting thing. Uh, the reason why uh, sports is such an attractive thing, people are, are such strong sports fans, and they identify like incredibly with their sports teams, whatever, whatever the sport is, whatever level it's at, whether it's professional or college or high school, whatever it is, is because that, that, that ultimately the, the psychology of that is ultimately connected to what Reb Shimon is saying over here. And that is, is that people understand almost intuitively that if I am just by myself and I'm trying to be significant and I want to contribute and I want to be part of something which is great, if I'm going to try and do that all by myself, at the end of the day, I'm a nobody. How much is one individual going to be able to contribute? How much is one person going to be able to change the world and make things uh, differently? Most of us understand intuitively that we're not going to be able to do so. So what we seek to do is we seek to identify with something which is larger than ourselves, something which is bigger than ourselves. I see myself as a Bulls fan. Now, there's many Bulls fans, but as soon as I identify myself as a Bulls fan, now I'm connected with success. I'm connected with winners. I'm connected with champions. I am part of that team of greatness. And now I adopt that as part of my self-identity. That's why I'll wear my Bulls t-shirt. I'll wear my Bulls hat. I'll make a, a license plate with some, you know, some Bulls reference on it. Whatever it's going to be, all of that is a recognition that if I can identify with this thing which is greater and bigger than myself and successful, then I'm part of that team and that makes me into a winner. 
the Olympics were really designed in order to, the, the, the modern Olympics, really designed to, to accomplish that same thing, that you're going to identify with your country. You don't need to know any of those athletes at all. You never met them, you'll never see them, you'll never talk to them, you'll never communicate with them. But being that they represent America, and I'm an American, I can take pride in their accomplishment. So that's identifying with this thing which is larger than yourself in order to be able to achieve, in order to be able to, uh, to, uh, to accomplish. So now, by doing so, by recognizing that I'm a member of the squad, I'm a member of the team, I'm one of uh, um, uh, what ecologists call the, the, alum, the, the alumni who, who, who are still very involved with their sports. There's some term which, which they use for fundraising, where they get the, the alumni to continue to identify with, the, with, their, with their team. So this is all a means of being able to say, I'm part of this bigger picture, and that gives me prominence, it gives me importance, it gives me significance. Now he says, in a large machine, even a small little screw or a small little bolt, bolt in a large machine, so even though that bolt or that screw is very small, it's three quarters of an inch, how, how, how significant can a three quarter of an inch bolt be? But if that is the central bolt, which holds everything together, and you lose that, the whole thing is no good. The, the, whole, thing, the whole thing falls apart and becomes dysfunctional when that particular piece is missing. So one has to see themselves as you shouldn't be, a, a person should be frustrated saying, I'm not this large part of the machine. I'm just a small bolt, a small nut, a small, you know, something. I'm not even visible on the outside uh, in terms of the mechanism of the machine. But nonetheless, if I'm part of the machine, I must play some role whatsoever. I'm contributing something. If I wasn't contributing at all, then they wouldn't have designed me as part of the machine. Machine doesn't really have extraneous, it shouldn't have extraneous parts. And therefore, we have to see ourselves as being this cog in this larger wheel and contributing overall. And I'm not the entire wheel, but nonetheless, my contribution is something which is going to be significant enough that in the design of this machine, or the design of this system, uh, this has to be there. For those who have, uh, you know, like a, a, a computer, um, a computer uh, uh, tendency. So you could have, in some programs, you could have tens of thousands of lines of code, right? Just line after line after line after line after line of code. So no line, if you give a personality to each line of code, a line of code shouldn't say, you know what? There's, there's 10,000 other lines of code over here. I'm sure that I'm insignificant. I don't play a factor at all. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to self-delete, and I'm just going to let the program run with the other 10,000 lines of code, and I'm sure it'll be fine, because what's one out of 10,000? It's certainly Bato Barov, Bato Bashishim, it's Bato Ba'elev. I'm, I'm insignificant. There's no way I'm there. And you go ahead and you delete that one line of random code in the middle of, the, in, in the middle of it, and what's going to happen? The whole thing isn't going to work. Probably, you know, if they wrote the code well, the whole thing won't work when you go ahead and you delete one line, because without that line, somewhere along the way, it's not going to function the way you want it to go ahead and function. And the more complicated things are, when they talk about you, if you ever watch, a, you know, a video about these super advanced um, uh, fighter jets in all the different code, which are the, the millions and millions of lines of code, which are necessary in order for these things to function optimally and do all of those things, somebody had to write all that code. And every line of that code could be the difference between life and death for these pilots. They could either survive or not survive based on one line of code. 
And therefore, even though it's one out of a million, but it's essential because without that, nothing is going to go ahead and work. And that's how we have to see ourselves in terms of the contribution which we have. It may be one little pivot line of code to take you from this line to the other line, but if you can't complete that circuit, it's not going to work. Shaklau bonimipratim. He says, because any large thing is always going to be made up of smaller components. And all of those components are necessary in order to have the klau. You don't have a klau without all of the prats. As he says, borrowing from the Rebbe Shmuel, next time you say this, you'll, uh, it'll be more significant to you. He says, And the klau is by definition comprised of all of those individual parts, all of those, all of those things. So that ultimately is the perspective that we're supposed to have vis-a-vis ourselves. And that's how we unify this idea of the achdus on the one hand versus, uh, the, oh, sorry, not the, the, the selfishness on the one end, chayecha kogun, prioritize yourself with the kedoshim to you, which says that you should be selfless and you should be, should be focused on contributing to the betterment of others. And we unify that. We're ma'ache that by, by, by developing the perspective of a broader definition of ani a broader definition of self, a broader definition of who I am. And the more expansive and the more broad my definition of self is, so the more elevated I am and the more things that I'm going to be sensitive to and I'm going to strive to be able to uh, to elevate and I'm going to strive to uh, to improve. And that's how I harness both of those elements of my personality, the selfishness with the selflessness and to combine them together into a perfectly functioning unit, which is going to allow me to be the most kadosh, the most elevated and selfless person that I could be, while at the same time being completely selfish, because, which is okay, because I have a very broad definition of selfish. Okay, so this is where we'll, uh, we'll hold it uh, for now. We will see, we'll see. We'll see next week whether or not we want to go ahead and we'll uh, continue with the Shari Yosher, or we may put a pause on the Shari Yosher just because Rosh Hashanah, Sersimei Tshuva, and uh, Yom Kippur are coming, and we should, uh, and Al had actually mentioned that we should probably do a little bit of Tshuva uh, uh, workshop type of stuff, something which is relevant to Tshuva as we get closer. So we may uh, put Reb Shimon on hold for a little bit, do some tshuva stuff, some Yom Yom Rhyme pieces, and then after Sukkot, after Simchas Torah, uh, get back. So we'll make that decision over the course of the uh, of the next week or so. All right. In the meantime, everybody, thank, thank you, you very much. We'll see you. God willing.